Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cleared for Takeoff. I'm your host, Gavin Rice, and I want to share what I've learned in aviation both on the job, off the job, and what I've encountered everywhere in between. I hope everyone had a lovely Thanksgiving and, and hopefully an opportunity to visit family and friends. I want to first verbalize my appreciation for airline crews, operations, dispatch, maintenance, air traffic control, and, and everyone else in the travel industry who had to work during the, the busiest travel time of the year, that being Thanksgiving. I was incredibly fortunate to get the entire week off for Thanksgiving this year, and so I was, um, uh, I was able to spend some quality time with family. I know quite a few of my friends were, were not so lucky, but I mean, we, we got into this career knowing that working the holidays and missing events is just part of the job. And hopefully a, a second Thanksgiving dinner or at least some leftovers were saved for those who were working during that, that busy travel weekend. And since we're on the, the topic of Thanksgiving, I might as well talk about what kind of travel numbers we had this year and, and dive into a little bit about holiday schedules. I'm also going to touch on the, the contrast between my November schedule and my upcoming December schedule, and then compare a little bit of interesting differences between uh, what I have going on this year compared to, to my last job uh, last year. So for Thanksgiving this year in 2023, on Wednesday, November 22nd, which was the, the day before Thanksgiving, the TSA, known as the, the Transportation Security Administration, they're the ones who do all that security screening when you go up to the airport, they screened a total of 2.7 million passengers. Again, this was on Wednesday, the 22nd. The day after Thanksgiving, or, or sorry, the, the end of the Thanksgiving weekend, I should say, on Sunday, the 26th, travel numbers were at an all-time record high of 2.9 million passengers. Again, this, this is only in the United States, uh, but still, that's, that's a lot of people. And that's the most travelers in a single day in the United States that, that I can see from, from the records that TSA uh, posts. And I, I was reading a couple articles that were showing uh, the same thing, that, that this indeed was the busiest to date ever travel uh, in the United States via airlines. And so from Wednesday all the way through Sunday of Thanksgiving week, there were a total of about 12 million passengers that were screened at U.S. airports. And when you compare that to last year, 2022, there were, I think it was about 10.8. So, so 1.2 million more travelers over the course of the Thanksgiving week this year than there were last year. And, and I mean, it, it wouldn't surprise me if there's a Thanksgiving day of travel in uh, next year, in 2024, that exceeds 3 million passengers. We're not too far off. I should point out, though that the daily average of passengers in the United States is a little over 2 million uh, people every single day. So, so the broad picture, I mean, you think about, okay, if the average is 2 million per day and 2.9 million, it might not seem like that much more, uh, considering we hit quite a few days of 2.6 million, a couple here and there of 2.7 million, and then the uh, June 30th, I believe it was, we hit 2.8 million passengers, and th this was the, the precursor to the, the 4th of July weekend, which was a little bit earlier this year. So on June 30th, there were, there were 2.8 million people. So that's, that's only 100,000 less people that traveled for the 4th of July weekend than they did for Thanksgiving. So it, it just goes to show that, that even by the numbers, it, it doesn't really seem like too many more travelers. 
However, the, the airports do get quite busy and, and you'll see, you know, a, a lot of airports will have continual busy schedules. You know, the, the major hubs, whether that be Atlanta or, or Charlotte uh, or, or Newark, you know, all these major hub airports are always going to be busy every single day. But during Thanksgiving weekend, you're going to see a lot of the smaller outstation airports uh, not, not necessarily maximize what they have going on in terms of, of, of passenger numbers, but it's going to be a lot busier across all airports all over the country compared to just the, the normal busy days. So very a, a very busy weekend indeed. And I know American Airlines and United Airlines state, stated that they broke records in terms of passenger numbers this year. Americans said they had 6.5 million passengers over the holiday, and United had 3.2 million passengers. As of recording this episode, you know, I, I did some research, went to each airline's website, and Delta has not released their final Thanksgiving travel report because apparently they include Tuesday into that, the, the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. So, But they, they, they do expect between 6.2 to 6.4 million, which will put them right about at the, the 2019 travel numbers of, of 6.25 million. Uh, and up about half a million travelers from last year for Delta. So yeah, I mean, we're, we're talking some huge numbers for travel. And those are just the big three airlines here in the United States. I mean, all airlines saw a huge number of travelers over the holiday and stayed quite busy. Interestingly enough as well, the FAA, the, the Federal Aviation Administration, also reported that no airline canceled more than 1% of their flights throughout the the thanksgiving uh, travel weekend so although there were some delays due to weather in a few locations there weren't too many cancellations and this meant that passengers made it to their destinations and and then back home without too many hiccups which is awesome because i i know there have been some years in the past with gnarly winter storms that led to holiday travel meltdowns and and luckily this year was not one of them that is definitely one major risk with travel, of course, and that's you know, whether by car, or train, or, or plane. There, there are risks that plans can change or, or cancel due to inclement weather, and and that's where my situation has its perks. You know, I, I live only about ninety miles away from my parents, and I'm I'm very close to other family as well, so I can even make a day trip to pretty much go see everyone in the family if I need to. Uh, and, and this year, I, I decided to just leave on Thanksgiving Day to, to drive to, to go see family. And I left on Thanksgiving Day at around 11 a.m. thinking that well, maybe most people have probably already uh, traveled the day before or, or maybe a couple days prior. Um, but I was, uh, I was very wrong. <laughs> I, was, I, I think there were quite a few people from the Boston area heading west with the same idea as me of, of traveling on, on Thanksgiving Day, going to the meal at, uh, to devour some turkey at, at family member's house. But uh, and even though I did encounter some traffic, it still wasn't too bad considering. I mean, I think I only added about 30 minutes to the normal drive time. So all in all, it was, it was very uneventful. And, and the weather was also really nice. It was a nice sunny day, uh, pretty calm winds, and, and it was in the mid-40s. So it was, it was a great day to drive. I'm, I'm glad that weather panned out because the day before, uh, pretty much all of New England had a, a smaller system going on overhead. And it was just rainy and windy and cold, and it just wasn't the best travel day. So I'm, I'm glad I wasn't on the road for that one. But I, I, I did, however, make the mistake of going out to the grocery store the day before Thanksgiving. 
And uh, when I went, I, I just decided I had everything I needed because it was packed. And I mean, it's to be expected. It's the day before Thanksgiving. People are last minute realizing, oh, they're missing this. They're missing that for, for their meal. Uh, and I, I just completely slipped my mind. Uh, and, and luckily, I live pretty close to a grocery store. It was only like a three and a half mile drive. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to turn around and go home. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Uh, but that's, you know, that's just the way it goes. I, I luckily uh, had plenty of food and, and I was visiting family anyway. So it's, it's not like uh, I was the one preparing the meal or anything like that. But anyway, back to, to flying related things. You might be wondering how I was able to get Thanksgiving off this year. Uh, and, and like I mentioned earlier, I got the whole week of Thanksgiving off. I think I had uh, the Monday before Thanksgiving all the way through the Sunday after Thanksgiving. I was back on reserve the Monday after Thanksgiving. So pretty much a whole week off, uh, which is pretty awesome. And, and, and since I changed jobs to, to a new airline, this, this means that, you know, I have to go back to the bottom of the seniority list and, and therefore I have less control over my schedule and, and everything is about seniority. I think I've pointed out in the past that, that most airlines in the U.S., um, at least airlines, I'm pretty sure all the airlines in the U.S. are, are unionized uh, to some extent, uh, or even if they're not unionized necessarily, everything still has to do with seniority in terms of your schedule. So it's all about longevity with the company. If you've been at the company longer, that means you have the first dibs over the schedule uh, versus the person below you on the seniority list. So even if you go from one airline to another, and maybe you come in with more job experience than, than somebody else, that has no upper hand for you because, again, it has to do with seniority. Someone could be a year uh, ahead of you in terms of seniority and maybe have half of the job experience that you have, but that doesn't put you above them. So it's, it's kind of interesting to, to compare that to many other careers where in many cases, your expertise, your experience is valued over the amount of time uh, with a certain company. So that's where some cases, which, which does make some people unhappy, of course, because if you've been at a company a long time and you see uh, someone new to the company come in and then they're all of a sudden ahead of you. Uh, that's, that's not really fair. Uh, but it, it boils down to experience. Well, in the airlines, they don't, they don't do that. It's all about longevity. And if you want to have more control over your schedule, you're going to have to spend some time with the, the company, build up seniority to the point where there's enough people behind you that you're able to bid for, for certain days off or, or certain schedules. So in my case, for for uh, for this Thanksgiving and and Christmas even Christmas season, I I went in thinking that I'd be working both holidays for certain. Uh, again, just because this is you know three months in a bidding, uh, just about just under six months with the company, so I, I know that's the bottom of the seniority list pretty much. But to my surprise, uh, like I mentioned, I did not work Thanksgiving, and I have December schedule now, and I will not be working Christmas Day either. So, I mean, how the heck did that work out? Well, for starters, believe it or not, there are people who want to work the holidays. Uh, there are a few out there. And you might be asking why, who would be crazy enough to do that, or at least to, to want to do that. And the one thing is there is a holiday pay incentive. So you do get some extra pay on top of the, the pay you were going to get already. And also... If someone is maybe trying to get out of a family event, 
uh, having to work the holidays is is the perfect excuse. Uh, I know that sounds crazy and terrible, but hey, uh, I'm sure everyone has some interesting dynamics in their family. No family is perfect, right? There's always drama that happens. Uh, I'm lucky enough to to be able to work things out with family, and and uh, I really do love spend time with family. It's really great. But but there are some families out there that don't get along in the same way, and and uh, people choose not to get involved with a holiday gathering. So. I, I know there are some airline crew members out there who choose, specifically choose to work the holidays to get out of some of those holiday events. But, you know, it's to each their own. If if I'm able to get the holidays off, that'd be awesome. I'd love to spend time with family. If I have to work the holidays, that's okay. We'll, you know, reschedule some events uh, around it. But what about getting forced into working the holidays? Like I said, I mean, there are there are people who want to work the holidays, uh, but outside of that, for the most part, uh, I, I would, it's safe to bet uh, that a majority of, of pilots don't want to work the holidays. But some of them have to. They get forced into it. So, so how does that work? Well, again, it, it goes uh, with uh, regarding seniority, where uh, the person towards the top of the list will get the first dibs. And, and how it works with scheduling is we bid for our, our schedules month to month. And so what we do is we, we start a bidding process during uh, the month that we're in uh, to, to bid for our schedule for the next month. And at my previous job, I would start bidding on the 11th of the month that we were on in order to bid for the, the next month. And then uh, I think the bid was open for three or four days or something, and then they would close, and then we would get our schedule by the 21st, again, for the following month. Uh, so th this worked out perfectly fine, um, but in some cases it was a little tricky because uh, people would ask me, hey, can you do this mo next month? And I was like, I'll let you know after the 21st. So sometimes it was a little tricky to, to plan things, uh, but at uh, my present job, I start bidding on the first of the month for the next month, which is really nice. And then the schedule comes out roughly around the 10th or the 11th. So now I find out... Uh, in, in some cases, a whole day before I even started bidding at the previous job. So that's that's been a nice perk that I'm able to, to plan out uh, the next month a little bit more ahead of schedule than I was at the previous job. But anyway, when we bid, there are different things we can bid for. Uh, the, I mean, e each airline will use different software, uh, but generally speaking, many will have similar things you can do. Uh, the main thing being, okay, you can bid for certain days off. Uh, you can also bid to work certain days on. So there are specific days that you want to work. Uh, and, and a reason for that might be, uh, like the aforementioned, get out of a family event kind of thing. Uh, or or maybe it's a holiday that uh, you weren't planning on celebrating anyway, and there is a holiday pay incentive, so you can bid to try and actually work that day. Uh, or you're just trying to uh, group days together. Uh, so you want to front-end or back-end uh, load your month. In other words, work a ton the beginning of the month, have the rest of the month off, or vice versa, where you have most of the beginning of the month off, and then the latter half of the month you work. So there, there's different ways to, to bid that regarding uh, days on and days off. And then, of course, you can look at the different pairings, uh, the, the trips that the company puts out, and you can pick and choose those if you want. Uh, Generally speaking, the more seniority you have, the easier it is to select individual pairings that you can fly. 
uh, when you're lower down the seniority list, the chance of, of, of getting some of those individual pairings is, is it's, it's much harder to do. So another way uh, that you can uh, work your schedule out is, is what we call preferential bidding, where you have a list of preferences. And you essentially tell the, you, you, you list your preferences and the software will filter through your preferences from, from top to bottom. So you can say that, okay, I'd, I'd prefer to have two, somewhere between two and four day trips. And I, re, I would uh, prefer the report time to be after 10 a.m. and the release time before 4 p.m. Uh, I want the credit, the, the pay for this trip to, or, or the average credit for these trips to be, you know, 20 hours or something. You know, there, there's all these different things. I mean, there's a plethora of options that you can put in there. And even though I've been in this industry now for uh, two years, I'm still learning different ways to do it. I mean, it's, again, towards the bottom of the seniority list, so it's not like I have much control over it anyway. However, I must be doing something right if I was able to get Thanksgiving off uh, because, well, I, uh, I kind of just threw in some days off that I wanted and kind of left it at that. So when bidding, there are, are different things we can bid for. We can, we can try for a, a reserve schedule, which uh, reserve, there's either long call or short call reserve, or we can bid for a line, meaning that we have a, a set schedule of trips for the month instead of just being on call. And depending on staffing levels for the month, reserve tends to yield the best work hours to pay ratio. In other words, you'll, you'll get paid the most to work the least, potentially. Not always the case, but potentially. Uh, and that's everyone's dream, right? To get paid to not work. That's beautiful. And at most airlines, reserve schedules will uh, grant a guarantee of a minimum guarantee of 75 hours of pay for the month and generally require you to be on call for about 18 days for that month, which gives you about uh, 12 days off. Every airline's a little different. Sometimes you might get more days, less days, less days. It really depends. But let's say, for example, you get used, uh, you, you have your 18 days of reserve, whatever order they are in the month. And let's say you only get used four days uh, of that month. So therefore, you technically actually only worked four days and gotten paid 75 hours. On the flip side, you might have your 18 days of reserve and get used for 12 of them. And if you fly 71 hours, guess what? You're getting paid 75 hours. So that that ratio of, of time spent working to the pay you're gonna get is worse in that case because you're you're working harder to make the same 75 hours. So it's, it's kind of interesting how that can uh, flop both ways. But on the, on the, on the other side of things, if you, if you bid for a line schedule, you can meet that minimum guarantee uh, of 75 hours. Again, depending on the airlines, I know some have 64, I've heard 74 and then 70 uh, for the line schedules, but generally around the 75 hour range, uh, you might be able to work in more actual days off. Uh, just due to the way that the pairings are constructed, if, you, if you're able to pick and choose different pairings that have uh, a lot of flight time, thus giving you a lot of credit, you'll build up to that 75 hours and you'll get more than 12 days off. I've seen people with 75-hour uh, schedules with 17 to 18 days off, so they're only working about 12, maybe 13 days in the month and they're getting paid 75 hours. So that, that's, that's the, the flip side of it as well. And in addition, when you have a line schedule, 
in many cases, if you want to pick up more flying, you can go well above that 75 hours of, of credit, of pay for the month. So there, there's opportunities to make a lot more money versus on reserve. It can be, it's possible, you can make more money on reserve, but it's it's a little bit harder to do. And the thing about the, the aforementioned reserve schedule is that even though you might actually only work four days where you're actually showing up to the airport to fly the plane, you're still on the hook for the, the other days, and, and you have to be ready to go to work if called. you got to have your phone on ringer. You, you have to be in the frame of mind of that, I'm at work right now, uh, and be ready, uh, because you never know. You might get called. <laughs> and that's where long call reserve becomes quite useful, because while you can't really plan something uh, on, on the days that you're working, because, again, you're on call, you're obligated, uh, if you wake up and nothing's on your schedule, you can, you can plan on something for the rest of the day because most airlines have at least a 12-hour notice for their long call uh, in order to, to show up for work. So this, this is a, a great way to be able to do different things throughout your day, even though you're still on call. This becomes much more challenging, however, if you're on short call, because in this situation, it's hard to even plan anything for the day when you're on call. You'll have about two hours. Right now, I'm at uh, my company is 2.5, two and a half hours for the call out, which it's it's very doable from with uh, where I live uh, in relationship to to the airport. But you have to be ready. You know the the company could call you and you're gonna have to scramble. You know even if you decide to go to the local golf course, you're gonna have to leave midway through golfing. Uh, if you're out going for a hike nearby, you're gonna have to quickly come back, shower. So it's it's you get a little bit more house tied when you are on short call, which is fine. I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that. There are plenty of things I can do, like uh, recording this podcast, for example, but it does kind of restrict you compared to long call. The one benefit to short call is that those reserve pilots are used last on the reserve list, or at least uh, so we are told. Uh, the company will try and use long call pilots first because, again, there's, there's more time to use them so if something pops up in, in 24 hours from now, they'll try and, and use a long call pilot. But once the company runs out of the long call pilot pool, and or maybe it's a last minute uh, adjustment, this particular will happen during a big uh, irregular operation kind of thing going on, like uh, thunderstorms in the summer or big winter system going on uh, during the winter. Any kind of big weather phenomenon or lots of flight cancellations, that, that will bring in more of those short call pilots, and they can expect to get called right at the two and a half hour mark, which is, you know, sometimes it you can be scrambling a little bit. I'll be honest, I'm, I'm a little lackadaisical when it comes to making sure I'm all packed. <laughs> Luckily, I'm, I'm very efficient at it. I can just grab my stuff get dressed, shave, shower, and go. You know, I can be out the door in probably about 30 minutes uh, from just being an absolute mess and unorganized to, to ready to go. Uh, but I, funny enough, the, this month, even though I've been on short call for November, they've given me much more than two and a half hours. In fact, most of the calls have been at least 12 hours. I've had quite a few that are 24 hours in advance. In fact, the one that I'm about to report for now, I've known about for 36 hours. So it's actually kind of nice to have that much time. And it feels like I'm on long call, even though I am on short call. So I, again, I still stay in that frame of mind where you never know, the company might call and I got to be ready to get there within two and a half hours. But for now, 
knock on wood, um, the, the short call has been actually giving me much more than the two and a half hours. I'm sure I just jinxed myself. I bet the next time I'm on call, uh, I'm going to get the short end of the stick. But hey, that's okay. That, that's just part of it. I'm used to it. So, well, short call definitely has its, its benefits of, of potentially not getting called too often and, and not necessarily getting called for that, that minimum time uh, constraint that you have to show up to the airport. Uh, it, it, like I said, it kind of house ties you. you. You have to be ready. And because of that, 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 that's the worst type of reserve schedule for commuter pilots. Because once they, once a commuter is on call, they have to spend that time at a crash pad instead of at home. Uh, and, and a crash pad, if I haven't mentioned it in the past, is is uh, generally a, an apartment type uh, housing that's that's uh, owned or, or rented by multiple airline crew members to help break the cost down. And so there's many of them in there, um, and it's it's not ideal, uh, you know, because it, it tends to be a crowded space potentially, and there are people in and out of there at, at all hours. Uh, but it's it at least gives you an opportunity to live wherever you want to live. You know, if you're at least within a somewhat reasonable driving distance to a major airport or at least a big enough airport that gets you to your your base uh, where you you are supposed to start uh, and end your trips, you're able to live uh, many locations. And and particularly for housing in the Northeast, I'm sure many of you are aware that the cost of housing in the Northeast is horrendous. And so if you're able to live somewhere else, you know, in the Midwest, uh, it could be anywhere, anywhere else, honestly, unless I guess it's San Francisco, um, <laughs> you, you'll definitely find a, a cheaper cost of living. But the, the sacrifice being made there is that you'd have to commute. So again, this, this short call scenario is not ideal because you're away from home, just kind of sitting there waiting to be called. And you might go six days of reserve and you have to be there because it's short call, you're on the hook for it, but maybe you don't get used. So then it just kind of feels like a waste, which is unfortunate. Uh, and again, that's just one of the drawbacks of, of being a commuter, but it still does uh, allow you to live where you want. So for, for someone who's a commuter, long call would be better. A line schedule would probably be the best because you really have control over, you know, what what's coming up uh, on on your schedule. Because even with long call, certain callouts depending on how far your commute is. I know some people who commute uh, across the country, and even a long call of twelve or fourteen hours sometimes isn't even enough time, depending uh, on on when the company calls you. So you, you just don't know. So you kind of have to treat long call like short call. Sometimes it, it just depends. So it gets a little trickier, uh, when you, when you live far away, uh, if you got a shorter commute, maybe a two hour flight, long call is definitely doable. Uh, but in some cases you'll still have to fly in the day before. Cause if you got a long call notification, let's say, uh, you got notified of a, a 5 AM report, for a flight the next day, and let's say that happened at 5 p.m. the, the day prior, you think to yourself, okay, great, uh, I got work tomorrow at 5 a.m. Oh, wait. Generally, uh, somewhat local flights, you know, most flights start at around 5 a.m. Uh, with the exception of, of red eyes, uh, transatlantic flights, you know, you might be able to, to take a 10 p.m. flight that flies through the night and arrives at 4 a.m., and then boom, you're there. But then you're, you're flying that whole time. You're probably not getting proper sleep. So you can kind of see how complicated it might be for a commuter pilot. And I'm definitely um, going to get someone on the show. The, the last episode, Trevor, 
uh, he he's a commuter. We didn't really dive into that because we, we talked about you know the, the process of becoming a captain and, and what it means to be a captain. So that was the main focus of the of that episode. But uh, he is a commuter, and I'm sure he has all kinds of stories to share about what what it means to commute. So maybe that that'd be actually a great topic to to bring in someone with that commuting experience because. I don't have that experience. I'm, I'm lucky enough to, to live in base, and I absolutely love that. But it's it's definitely pretty interesting to hear some of the stories that some of these airline crew members have when it comes to commuting to and from work. But anyway, for, for like I said, for, for someone who lives in base like me, it doesn't matter whether it's short call, long call, it's a line. I, I mean, sure, I, I could say that I care, you know, what kind of schedule that I want, uh, but Short call is fine by me because I can make it to the airport in time. Uh, I will say the the type of call that I I don't don't exactly like is a day trip. I'm far enough away from Boston that making a day trip is a lot. Uh, the the better way I I've done two types of day trips where it's you know I have to get up at three in the morning three thirty in the morning uh, to get to the airport. And then uh, I'll, I'll get back to Boston at around, I don't know, 4 p.m. And then guess what? Rush hour. Evening rush hour going west from Boston is the worst. It's not New York City. It's not L.A., but it's still pretty bad. Uh, so that's my least favorite is, is the, the early morning report for a day trip uh, that, that, comes, that comes home in the, in the evening, you know, right around dinner time. Uh, but on the flip side, if I report at like 11 a.m., and then get home back into Boston around, I don't know, midnight or something, that's actually a little better because generally speaking at 9, 10, 11 a.m., not too many people are traveling in towards Boston eastbound. And then, of course, closer to midnight, there's way less traffic. So that's a little more ideal in terms of a day trip. But again, day trips, they're not my favorite because that's just a lot of driving, a lot of commuting uh, in one day. So that's why I prefer at least a two-day trip. Because that kind of breaks it up. You know, I, I show up to work, park the car, go to the airport, and then work that day. I'm in a hotel somewhere, who knows where, but at least I'm spending more time, uh, or, or rather less time commuting in, in that day. And so the, the commute to and from home is spread out. So that's kind of ideal. For me, a two to four day trip is, is good. Once you get above a four day trip, it gets a little exhausting and you can't wait to get home. So, but anyway, that's that's my little preference there that, that I ideally... Uh, day trips are um, not my favorite, and two to three day trips are, are the sweet spot. But like I mentioned before quite a few times, my seniority, <laughs> you know, it, it, it is what it is. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to complain about it because, um, again, just a couple years into the industry and, and there's so much room ahead, so much time to, to someday have a little more control over my schedule. So anyway, you've, you've probably figured out by now that reserve schedules can be quite attractive, especially if your goal is, is to not work so much. Uh, and because of this, during the holiday season, more people, more pilots will bid for reserve than the rest of the year. Uh, and because the rest of the year, they might bid for a line. And, and that's just, again, because the, the hopes of being able to spend more time with family because you're potentially not getting used as much. Uh, and so this means for someone like me, who is normally just given a reserve schedule anyway, doing, due to my seniority, I was actually forced into a line for December, uh, and a busy one at that. Uh, a few trips on our schedule are, are actually back-to-back, 
which is is not too favorable favorable because uh, it's kind of similar to what I was saying earlier where I don't like day trips it in this situation you have to go home in between trips uh, and I think I think I've seen there's three back-to-back trips I have next month uh, one of them is really bad it leaves me about 12 hours between release time from the first trip to report time of the next trip and remember that 12 hours that's uh, release time is 15 minutes after we we come into the gate and report time is about an hour before departure so it's 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 very little time especially considering my overall commute is is about an hour plus in terms of 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 waiting for buses and getting to my car and all that stuff it's it's complicated so those back-to-back trips are not fun i will not be looking forward to that (laughs) but i'll get through it it's okay uh and it's it's going to be really busy uh, a very busy month but by some Christmas miracle, I was able to get Christmas Day off. How, I do not know, but at least I'll have a quick little Christmas break between trips. Uh, I actually will, I'll be coming in on Christmas Eve, and then I think I report the day after Christmas, but later in the evening. So I, I get Christmas Day, and then kind of, we'll call it half a day the next day. So it's it's nice to have this almost two days off uh, for, for Christmas, and and. I, again, I don't know how I was able to do this. I guess pretty lucky. I just set up my bid in an attempt to get some certain days off. I tried for Christmas days off and and, uh, and a couple other days, a couple other weekends that I wanted to get off. Uh, and it worked. <laughs> so that's great. Uh, on the flip side, I'm, it's going to be very busy. I, I did actually force myself into a little extra flying. I had, I think there was about 80 hours of flying on my schedule. I added a few more. Uh, because why not? Uh, why not go from a, a, a very chill November to a ridiculously busy December? Why not? So I'm, I'm going to be flying 95 hours next month, which is going to be nuts. Uh, and, and I do have a few weekends off, or at least partial weekends off, and like I said, Christmas Day as well, and, and part of the day after. So considering all the potential schedules that I could have gotten, I'm, I'm honestly quite pleased with what ended up on my grit. I know some of my friends were not so lucky and will be working uh, over Christmas, which is a bummer, uh, but hopefully they can find some time, uh, whether that's before or after, to, to celebrate with, with friends and family. And like I was talking about earlier, that's that's part of the job. It's what we come to accept, that sometimes you're you're going to have to work the holidays. You're, you're going to miss birthdays. You're going to miss anniversaries, and, and you know we just have to schedule... Uh, a few days earlier or later for, for some of those events, and, and that's okay. And, and at the end of it, I mean, unless you have a, co- a, a calendar in front of you, you can't tell what day it is. At least I can't. I don't know about you guys, but I, I don't know what day it is half the time. i got to look at the calendar. Uh, and, and all these days can seem like a blur, especially when you're traveling a lot. So you know, hopefully it's uh, most of the family members of airline crew members are they understand that oh okay well you know if we need to move our christmas celebration a day later a day earlier this birthday here that, that anniversary that you, know, you can move things around and it's it's totally okay and the the interesting thing about next month having a line schedule uh, it's only my third month of bidding uh with this company and it that that's so drastically different from my last job it took about 17 months before I could hold a line schedule at the previous job. And this was the opposite of what I wanted 
because I wanted to be able to fly to get my hours and, and move on to this next employment opportunity. But because I was stuck on reserve, I wasn't flying much, so I, I stayed longer than I would have preferred. And in the end, this, this really doesn't matter too much because I, I did eventually move on. I'm, I'm really excited I'm where I want to be now. Uh, but like I said earlier, seniority is everything. Uh, it, it will pave the way for potentially better schedules uh, you know, down the line. So if I was able to start even three months before, uh, before I did, that would, that would actually make a, a significant difference. But, but now that I've made it to a major airline, within three months uh, of, of having schedules, I got forced into a line. So just the opposite effect occurred. Uh, and and that's, it's, it's kind of interesting because you know when you start out at a regional, you tend to want to get those hours because you want to work, 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 work your way up, especially right now. Uh, in the hiring craze that the, the major airlines are going through right now, the, the opportunities to, to land yourself at a major airline before you're even age 30 is huge. I mean, 10 years ago, that was not the case. Uh, you'd, you'd be staying at a regional for quite a few years longer, uh, and, and maybe you wouldn't even move on to a major. I mean, the different economic uh, issues, you know, the housing crisis of, what was that, 2008? Uh, you had 9-11, um, you, you have all these different fluctuations within the industry in terms of hiring. So right now it's, it's this giant hiring craze, so you can't blame anyone for, for wanting to move on. Uh, and so it's just interesting how I got forced into sitting on reserve and not being able to fly to get those hours, but now being at a major airline, I'm now forced into working. So it's, it's, it's kind of just interesting how that completely flip-flopped and the whole feeling of that kind of it just changed you know it's it's just it's it's a different environment to be working in which was which is really interesting but one thing i, I do want to point out is that it, you might not realize that you know it just because a, a regional airline is a regional airline, it's not a major airline right it doesn't make it less of a career at all it's still an airline you're still an airline pilot you're getting to fly a jet for a living and that's the dream uh, and, and like I said, just 10 years ago, the majors weren't hiring like they're, they're hiring right now. And so many pilots who, who got into a regional were more reluctant to move on because at that point, they, they've, secu they've secured uh, really good seniority. Uh, again, that longevity with the company, they're getting better schedules. And, and, and if they were to move on now, they'd move back to the bottom. Uh, and it would take a lot of time to build back some of the same type of seniority they had before. Uh, and additionally, a lot of regionals will have unique bases that major airlines do not have. A lot of major airlines will have uh, their bases in big hubs, uh, hub locations. So, you know, uh, Delta Airlines, for example, huge hub in Atlanta. How many pilots are actually going to live in Atlanta? I'm pretty sure a good chunk of their pilots who are based in Atlanta do not live in Atlanta. Uh, so it's just a perfect example where, okay, if, if you're at a company that's based closer to the town that you live in and it makes your commute easier, you know, why change that? So, so for many, it's just not worth it to move on. And, and although pay is generally less at a regional airline, it's still quite comfortable and you still get some great perks as well. Uh, one of the really awesome perks I had was, was at the previous job at Republic, we operated under three code shares, American, United, and Delta. And so that meant that we got uh, travel benefits on all three carriers, which is, it's really cool. Uh, and I, I use this a few times. 
um, when uh, when flights were full on, on one carrier, I was able to hop on the other one. Uh, and surprisingly, I've, I've yet to use any travel benefits to go transatlantic uh, or transpacific for that matter. Uh, and I do plan to at, at, at some point. I just need to tap into some friends and get some advice because while that idea is, is pretty awesome, uh, there's still a bit of planning involved, uh, but I'll, I'll get around to it uh, for sure. I still got, you know, almost 40 years in this career. I'll, I'll definitely be traveling around the world when I get a chance. Anyway, a bit of me blabbering on and on, but that pretty much is, is all I have to share for this week. I mean, the, the main thing to summarize is that holiday travel can be insane, particularly Thanksgiving weekend. And like I said, I was just lucky enough to get the week off. And I will uh, I'll give another shout out to the many airline employees who had to work that weekend. They all worked really hard to make sure that millions of passengers made it to their destinations and, and got home again safely. Uh, and, and next month, the same thing will happen where many employees will again be working a holiday in order to ensure people make it to where they need to go. Uh, and fortunately, Christmas is not quite as busy as Thanksgiving, but uh, it's still going to be crazy. I'm going to be flying, like I said, 95 hours next month, including up to Christmas Eve and the day after Christmas. So I'm, I'm sure I'm going to have uh, a few holiday travel stories here and there to share. And, and I'll, uh, I'll be, I'm sure, talking about it on the next few episodes as we move into December. But anyway, I, I really hope you guys had a lovely Thanksgiving, that you were able to see family and friends. And, and uh, if you weren't, you're hopefully able to get some leftovers from somebody, because I don't know about you, but... Uh, I just love Thanksgiving food. Uh, that's probably one of the best parts. Obviously, spending time with family is really good, but but being able to eat some good food and uh, probably gain a pound or two here, that's just the way it goes. But it's so delicious. Anyway, that's it for now. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Clear for Takeoff. I'll be back next time. And until then, as always, fly safe.